You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode 248. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today is bouncing wow wow hot takes. So if you don't know what a hot take is, I actually spent like 20 minutes last night at the kitchen table with my husband and my 15-year-old daughter trying to make sure that we like could understand what a hot take was and explain it to y'all. Because when I put up on my, oh, okay, let me back up. I put up on my stories. I asked for, hey, I'm going to do a podcast episode. Give me my hot takes. You know, what do you want me? What things do you want me to give hot takes on? And, you know, people, some some people submitted, but there were plenty of people who had no idea what a hot take was. And so I realized I had to back up a little bit and explain what a hot take was. Okay. So a hot take is usually like somewhat an opinion. It's not like something based in science. It's it's an opinion and it's usually kind of an inflammatory opinion or a controversial opinion. Maybe that's maybe that's a better way to describe it. Um it, it you know, it, people can like debate back and forth of like whether that's actually right or wrong. And um they're fun because they're, you know, they're usually a little controversial. There's definitely going to be people who are going to disagree with me. It doesn't make me right or them wrong. It's just like what is my hot take on some of these things. And and they're interesting to like hear and and talk about with people. So, that's what I'm going to be do, doing. This is going to be a health and fitness specific hot take. So, I got some submitted that were like um somebody wanted to know my hot take on hocus pocus because that was like culturally relevant right now. Um but I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to focus most of these things on the realm of health and fitness. And there are a lot of hot takes that I have. Apparently, as people started submitting things, I was like, oh, yeah, I have really strong opinions about that. And uh, that's what I'm going to be sharing today. Uh, again, just like any of my rants, I labeled this a rant episode because a hot take is kind of like inherently a rant. It's just me like sharing my opinion saying unfiltered how I feel about something. And you guys tend to to like my rants. So if you enjoy this episode, you can scroll back through the episodes. There's plenty of other rants where I kind of take off my filter, speak a little bit more openly. And uh, I label those as rants because then it kind of, I feel like it gives me the freedom to just be able to talk and uh, not have to guard myself so much. So that's what we're going to do today. So like I said, I put this up in my Instagram stories and I had you guys submit what you wanted to hear my hot take on. And by far, the number one thing that was submitted was my hot take on artificial sweeteners slash like diet soda. And uh, so that's what we're going to start with. My hot take on it is that they are not bad and they are not good. Um, One of the things that I... I'm very clear on, and I actually just talked to my Macros 101 clients about this today, is that there is a difference between body composition changes and health. And one of the things that I think that we do a lot in society is we confabulate those two things. We take those two things 
body composition and health and we collapse them down. And so we say silly things like, you know, I lost weight and thus I automatically got healthier. Um, or she's she's thinner, so now she's healthier. Or they've gained weight and so now they're unhealthy. And while there there is, you know, somewhat of a link between fat composite, you know, body fat and health, it is not a direct link like a lot of people think in their minds. If it was, then like literally every pound that you added would make you unhealthy, like that much unhealthier. And every pound you lost would make you that much or much healthier. And of course we know that that's not true because somebody who weighs 45 pounds and is an adult is very unhealthy. So I think one of the things I like try to help clients do is to really start to separate out body composition, health. They aren't the same things. So in terms of body composition, artificial sweeteners and diet soda is not going to impact your body composition. It's not going to change your, your like amount of fat that you're able to lose. It's not going to, um, you know, increase or change the amount of muscle you're adding to your body. It's, it's not really going to impact your body composition, but body composition is different from health. And I don't think, I don't think most people would argue that diet soda is health promoting. Um, I, I, I wouldn't argue that like, I think when I drink a diet Coke, that it is health promoting. Um, but I think a lot of people think it is like health demeaning. It is like negative on your health. And I tend to look at it more as uh, a lot more neutral. It's, it's not health promoting. I don't think it's the devil. I don't think it's going to kill you. Um, I think, you know, there was lots of studies people like re reference back to like studies that were done with like aspartame and feeding mice and like killing the mice. But the doses that they were giving the mice with the aspartame is like way more than you would ever eat or drink in, in a can of soda, or even if you drink like three cans of soda. So anyway, I digress, but like there has been a lot of fear mongering in terms of artificial sweeteners and them being the devil. And it's really gonna, it's gonna kill you all. And, and all those things. And I just don't, I don't buy into that. I also, let me just say, it's going to shock a lot of you really into moderation. <laughs> like I, I look at like the overall day and the overall number of health promoting behaviors that I do, you know, am, am involved in and, you know, I weigh them all out. And so maybe d drinking diet soda is not health promoting, but I don't think it's health detracting. And I also think in the context of the whole entire day, it's like, if I'm drinking one diet soda a day, I really just don't see that as like a problem. <laughs> personally. So my hot take diet soda. Awesome. I personally drink probably about a diet Coke a day. Just being real, just being honest, which leads into my next hot take diet or Coke versus Pepsi. And, um, my hot take is that Pepsi tastes like cleaner and is disgusting. Why would you drink that? <laughs> That's my hot take. I really do though. Pepsi tastes like cleaner to me. Like I'm drinking cleaner. Why do you like that? That's gross. And I much prefer, I actually don't actually like real Coke. I only like Diet Coke. Is that weird? I, I don't like the flavor of real Coke. Uh, funny story, over the summer, we had a family reunion and we did an experiment where we had, I think we had Coke, Diet Coke, Coke Zero, Pepsi, Diet Pepsi in like five unlabeled containers and each of us took a turn going up and like tasting them. And then we had to label which one we thought, which, you know, if we could label all of them, if this one is this and that, is that, you get what I'm saying. And I got all of them. 
I got all of them and I knew it because the Diet Pepsi tasted like cleaner. And I was like, oh, that's Pepsi, Ah, hands down. Uh, My mom, by the way, loves Pepsi. She's not as big of a Coke fan. So I guess that is, there is people, there are people out there who like it, but my hot take is it tastes like toilet bowl cleaner. Okay, MLM salespeople who call themselves coaches. (laughs) This is a good one. Uh, Hot take, it's annoying. It's annoying as all get out. And there is absolutely, in fact, I teach this in my coaching academy to my coaches. I tell them there is a difference between being a really good coach and being a really good marketer. And marketing is is an important part of owning a business. You have to market. Like that's part, you have to sell. That's part of it. But I'm always very clear that there are times in my business when I'm coaching and there are times in my business when I'm selling. And they, they're like different. They're different hats that I wear. And so the irritating thing about things like MLMs, one is that the quote unquote coaches, they like call themselves coaches. This is what I think really started with like Beachbody. It's like if you sign up to sell Beachbody, you like automatically are a coach. And they like kind of co-opted that name of like a coach. Without any training, any expertise, any background, it's like, oh, you paid your fee. Well, now you're a coach. This leads me into another rant about Zumba does the same thing. Drove me crazy. Like there is a training for Zumba. Wow, this is really getting off topic. There is a training for Zumba, but literally everybody passes. And if everybody passes a training, it, it, it then there's no standards. Like there's no bar. You can't maintain any quality of of your, like your Zumba instructors. And that was like my big beef with Zumba back when I taught Zumba was like, there's some fantastic Zumba teachers and there's some terrible Zumba teachers. And that was because the organizing body didn't have any requirements, didn't have any like bar that you had to clear. You just had to pay money. And then now you're a Zumba teacher. Same thing with MLMs. You pay the money and now you are quote unquote a coach. And it kind of, again, co-ops that name and people use it as like, oh, I'm a coach, but it's like, no, you're actually just a salesperson. (laughs) You're marketing a thing. And maybe you just have like your own experience that you're pulling from to like coach other people. But I tell my coaches all the time, like actually your experience is not very helpful to your client because they're a completely different person than you. And so one of the things that drives me nuts about a lot of coaches in the space right now is that a lot of what they call quote unquote coaching is actually just telling people what to do. It's actually just like advice giving of like, this worked for me, so you should do it as well. And that's um, like a very low form of coaching. That's actually not what coaching is. <laughs> and um, definitely not the way that I coach or that I, I train my, my coaches. So MLM coaches, I'm not saying you're all bad. I'm just saying this idea of like, all you need to do to be a coach is just pay some money. Um, it creates a problem. It creates a, it creates confusion in the space for people. Now, let me give a hot take on something else that I wasn't planning on giving a hot take on. That is the opposite end of the spectrum. Hot take. You don't need a million certifications to become a coach. This also drives me nuts of people thinking that the more certification somebody has, the better a coach that they are. And I think people need to be educated. I think they need to be taught. I think you need to have practice being a coach. There are definitely things to learn to be a coach. But I see this all the time in students that they like can't give, like they're looking for external validation and external um, permission to be able to go out and help people. And so I see this in some students, love you so much, 
that they are what I call like program certification hoppers. Like they always feel like, oh, the next certification is the one that's going to make me feel like I can help people. And then they get that certification. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready. I'm so scared. Okay, well, let me go get another certification. Oh, but, but I'm still scared. I'm still not ready. I got to get another certification. And so the, what they're doing is they're like accumulating all of these certifications, feeling like at some point that having enough certifications is going to make them feel like they can help somebody. And I think that's like the opposite end of the coin, right? It's like, I'm not saying that we don't need any education as coaches. I absolutely think you do. But the opposite end of the spectrum is just as da- damaging as well as like thinking that somebody else is giving you permission that that you're going to be able to find that permission somewhere. And that if you just get enough certifications, enough credentials, then you'll feel confident to coach. And the the truth is somewhere in the middle as it often is. Okay. Going commando under your leggings, yay or nay? Yay all the way. (laughs) Yay all the way. Um, I have like, I don't think I've ever worn underwear under my leggings from like back when leggings started to be popular. Um, No underwear, just wear the leggings, hot take, that's the way it should be. Now, you, I mean, you do you. For me, I'm gonna always go commando under my leggings. It's just more comfortable, there's no lines. And I mean, honestly, it's how I've been doing it for so many years that it feels weird to not go commando. Hot take on yoga. Okay, if you had asked me for my hot take on yoga, maybe, let's say, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have said to you, boring, (laughs) like, why would I do something that is a workout that, like, is, quote, unquote, a workout that doesn't make me sweat? I was like, there is no freaking way I'm going to ever do yoga. It's so boring. I'm so bored the whole time. I need to be moving. I need to have music. I need to be doing things. And... Uh, I absolutely remember thinking that back in my 20s. I just didn't understand the purpose of yoga. I was like, that is like the dumbest thing to do. So that was my that, that was my former self. Uh, now, uh, maybe it's my wisdom, my older years. I see that there's a lot of value in yoga. A lot of it, like, yes, some of it physical and a lot of it mental as well. And I think I've kind of softened my opinion on it a little bit more. And I can absolutely see the benefit and draw of yoga. Now, if we're talking yoga for like building muscle, it's like not the way to build muscle. But as a, as a valid... <laughs> great way to spend your time or part of your exercise routine. I'm much more on board with it now than I used to be. (laughs) This is a good one. Halo top. Okay. My hot take on halo top. If you don't know what halo top is, it's like a protein low calorie ice cream. My hot take on it. It is. It's actually fine. It's fine. Let's not let's not lie to ourselves and say that it's actually good. I wouldn't say it's actually good, but it's fine. I don't think it's as bad as some people feel like it is. I think it's it's a fine thing to eat. Um, one of the things that I learned about myself, especially through tracking macros, is that I tend to be a volume eater. I really like to eat a lot of volume. I like to eat like I would rather sometimes sometimes I would rather eat a lot of something um, like something that's like fine than uh, like just a little bit of something that's really, really, really good. Now that's not always the case. Sometimes I would like rather have one bite of a like really decadent, rich, like, you know, chocolate mousse or something like that 
than have like a whole bowl full of like a protein mousse. So I'm not saying always, but I did learn that about myself is that there are times when I am just like a volume eater. I just like volume. And in those cases, something like Halo Top is a really good, happy medium. Um, But it's not good. In fact, uh, I remember that there was a quote in The Good Place, if you've seen The Good Place, fantastic show. Uh, And um, it was something around the fact of like humans like to take delicious things and make them a lot less delicious so that they can eat more of them. And I was like, yes, that's accurate. (laughs) That is something that uh, sometimes I like to do. And so it's not all the time, but um, I don't think it's as bad as everybody thinks, as a lot of people think it is. Now, it was not when I, especially when I was cutting, it was never usually my go-to for ice cream. I do like ice cream a lot, but my go-to for ice cream was always Eddie's or in some areas of the country, it's called dryers, the like slow churn. And, uh, it's just like, it's not a light ice cream, but it's like a little bit lower in fat, a little bit lighter ice cream than like a heavy Tillamook, you know, full fat ice cream. And to me, like that was actually the best of both worlds. It was like a little bit lighter, a little bit lower in calories still tasted fantastic. And, and in some ways I actually prefer it to like a full heavy, like Tillamook. I, I just, I can't eat a lot of that. And again, sometimes I want to be a volume eater. So I've talked a lot about ice cream, but something that's close near and dear to my heart. Um, and I think it depends. Do, do I want volume or do I want quality? And if I want volume, Halo Top's not a bad deal. Okay. Next one. Hot take on Lululemon. My hot take is that I think Lululemon is often worth it. (laughs) And uh, I've had different opinions over the years, um, but I specifically think their leggings are usually worth it. Yes, they are expensive. But I will tell you, I have a pair of leggings from back when I lived in Pennsylvania, which was like pre-2010. So here, I mean, we're like here almost 13 years later, 14 years later, and I still have that same pair of leggings and they still work and I still wear them to this day. Like that's pretty impressive quality that lasts for 13 years. So yeah, did I spend more on them than I would have if I went to like buy some at Target? Yeah. And they've lasted me for 13 years and I've never had another pair from any other brand that has lasted me quite as long. So for a lot of years, especially when I, when we were in residency and med school and fellowship and I was very tight on our budget, I would buy, you know, I would, I would buy pants at Lululemon and I would buy tops and bras elsewhere. So like I would buy like a cheap tank from like Walmart or like TJ Maxx, same thing with like my bras because I don't really have a whole lot to hold in. So I don't need like a really great bra. Um, it's really more for the aesthetic. And then the lower, and then like the pants, I would splurge and and get from Lululemon. And for a lot of years, like that was like a really great balance for me. It was like, I'd save money on like the tops and bras, and then I would get um, more expensive bottoms. I just feel like they're like a better quality. They fit better. They feel better. And I am of the opinion that like, if I feel better, I'm going to work out more. I'm going to enjoy that process more of like getting dressed and like going to the gym. So for me, as someone who has always liked going to the gym and that was an important part of my day, I did prioritize, you know, leggings that made me feel good. And Lululemons have been those for me. I, I do especially love the Align pants. They're not as great for, um, working out. Although I do go to CrossFit in my, my Aligns, but, uh, they're also fantastic for like just daily wear. 
um, probably my favorite pair of pants from Lululemon. Okay. So, but now I am getting more, actually, I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm like, it's probably time to start to shift away from like the, just have any tank off the shelf to like having some more quality, um, tank tops and stuff from, from like Lululemon stuff. So I was just actually just thinking about that the other day that I'm probably to the point now where I probably could now include like tops and bras and stuff. But I would say if you're going to splurge on one thing for your workouts, it would be a good pair of pants, unless you are full chested. And then it probably is a good bra for you. It's probably a good bra for me. Like I said, it just, it just looks cute. <laughs> that's really, that's really all it's doing. <laughs> okay. Hot take on water intake. This one drives me bonkers bananas. When people have a certain amount of water that like somebody tells them that they have to drink, it drives me bananas because it's so silly to think that (laughs) there is a certain amount of water that is appropriate for everybody. Like really, you're telling me that every single person needs to drink their body weight in ounces or every single person needs to drink a hundred ounces of water, whether you are a petite 411 woman or a 400 pound man, like really that's a universal applicable amount of water to drink. I just think it's so silly. (laughs) Uh, Now I don't think water's silly. I think water is fantastic. It doesn't really matter what I think about water. Water is necessary for your survival. So it doesn't, my opinion on water doesn't matter, but these like water intake rules that people follow or like feel bad if they like don't drink their like body weight in water. I think it's just incredibly silly. What I think is a much better way to approach water intake is to look at your pee because your pee will tell you if you are well hydrated or not. If you are peeing and it is dark yellow, yellow to dark yellow, girlfriend, you need some more water. Go drink some more water. You are dehydrated. If your pee is clear to light yellow, you are well hydrated. And that to me is such a better rule of thumb than looking at, then like saying there's like this arbitrary number that everybody needs to drink of water. Oh man, this one's probably going to ruffle some feathers, but I'm going to say it. Uh, hot take on organic food. Waste of money. <laughs> That's my hot take. Um, my sister is a biologist. My brother is a biochemist. And I remember having a conversation with them at one point about organic food. And my sister, the biologist, is like, "Um, it's like a lack of understanding of people because all food is organic. If you've taken chemistry, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it is organic matter. Like, that is what it is. So I always, when I think of organic food, I always go back to that conversation. She's like, um all food is organic. <laughs> like, yes, technically you are right. Um, but organic uh, is one of those things that I feel like is, could it make a difference? Maybe. How big of a difference is it in your health? Probably not that big. And the cost and the price that you pay for it is exponentially, in my opinion, more than the health benefits that you get for it. Um, I would rather you spend the extra money that you're thinking about spending on organic food and spend it on like a gym membership. Now, if you have like unlimited resources or unlimited, you're like, don't have budgets, like spend your money on whatever you want to spend your money on. If buying organic food makes you happy, then buy it. But I think a lot of people buy organic food because it makes them feel like they're doing something healthier. And uh, in reality, like you're really just buying a lot more expensive food that 
isn't often even organic. Like the oversight in, in who can use that term and how they use that term and what has to constitute like being able to use that term is like the oversight is like not great of it. So that's the other thing that like really drives me crazy is if, if we really were like growing our own food and we really knew that everything really was organic, maybe there would be more of a health boost. But for a lot of things, it's like those lines between what they have to do in order to be able to call it organic, but then it's not even really organic. It just is like, I don't know. It's it's kind of a wash. So hot take. You can disagree with me. Fight me. It's fine. Overpriced. Not worth it. Hot take on hormone hacking drives me bonkers, especially since most of the people who are talking about like hacking, first of all, what does that even mean? What does hacking your hormones even mean? That is like a buzzword if I ever heard one that doesn't really actually mean anything. But then two, a lot of people who are like helping you hack your hormones have no business helping you hack your hormones. Like they're not endocrinologists. They don't like have any formal training. Hormones are a complex subject. You talk about like the human body and some of the complexities. Hormones are one of the most complex things that happen in our bodies because they happen systemically, because they happen with different receptors, because they mix differently. Like they're released from different parts of the body. Like hormones are, are, are our body's signalers. Like they, they signal things to the body and that's complex. And so thinking that somebody can like just start an Instagram account and like tell you how to hack your hormones drives me bonkers bananas. Um, and I don't like it. <laughs> I wish people, I, that's not to say hormones aren't important. Hormones are important. Hormones, like I said, are the body's messengers. They are happen systemically, which means all over your body. And that's really valuable and important. But what the flip does it mean to hack one's hormones? And in in reality, especially if you're not, oh, here's another one. <laughs> oh, this this will ruffle some feathers. Um, hormone tests that you like go and just like take a blanket full panel of like hormones, um, a test, bogus. And here's the reason why. Not because those like testing your hormones isn't inherently bad. Here's why it's, it's, uh, it's a problem. One, people don't know how to read those. Okay. Even like some of the people who say they know how to read them, they don't necessarily really know how to read them. They just know how they've been taught to read them. And that's not the same as like understanding the research or being up with any of those things, yada, yada, yada. Number two, in medicine, it is generally negative to go like to widespread look for problems because a lot of times you will find red herrings. What's a red herring? A red herring is something that like maybe a little bit off, but isn't actually the problem. It's like a distraction from what is actually the problem. And I see this happen with a lot of people with hormone testing because hormone testing is becoming more and more prolific. You don't necessarily have to have doctor's orders to be able to get it. You can like get it off of the internet and they'll just like test all your hormones as if one, we even understand what where those hormone levels should be. We don't for a lot of them. So we're like making a lot of assumptions that everybody's hormone levels should be within these these ranges. But then two, we are we often are like things will be like people get all wigged out that like, oh my gosh, this hormone is like slightly low. And it could be nothing. It literally could be just normal variation that occurs in humans, which is why, and my husband like always reminds me of this, is like you never order a test for something that like you're not looking for because you will come up with these red herrings and they will like lead you down a path that doesn't actually, that doesn't actually make any sense. And so you're, you know, as a, as a clinical um, physician, you are 
looking at the symptoms, you're making a hypothesis, you're like creating a differential diagnosis. Like these are the things that it could be. And then those tests are specifically ordered to rule out or rule in those certain things. You're not just like broad spectruming testing every single part of that person. One that wastes a lot of time, it wastes a lot of money, it wastes a lot of resources, but it also doesn't actually give you a, um, it doesn't zero in on what is actually going on because a lot of times you'll find a lot of things that are out of whack because we are humans and our bodies are not machines and they don't always stay in within certain parameters. And that doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong. Okay. Wow. Um, that was not one I was planning on talking about, but that is one that I feel like comes up a lot. And that is my hot take. Okay. More eye rolls, detoxes and cleanses. You can't see me, but I'm like rolling my eyes back in my head. Um, if you have a functioning liver, congratulations. You ha- are always detoxing and cleansing your body. That is your liver's job. It's doing it 24-7. And this idea that you drinking some like tea or you fasting for 47 million hours and drinking just water or drinking this like really expensive juice for seven days is somehow going to like cleanse you? Like, what does that even mean? First of all, like get rid of your toxins and stuff. Yeah. Your liver does that. Now, if you don't have a functioning liver, you have a way bigger problem. That's not going to be solved by drinking a detox tea. Okay. If you have a functioning liver, you are always detoxing. That's how your body does it. You don't need to have anything else that's going to like bind heavy metals or like pull things out of you. That's your liver does that. Thank you, liver. Ooh, wearable technology. Okay. So this is like your Apple watch, your like whoop strap, your Fitbit, Garmin, whatever. Um, okay. Hot take. Sometimes they cause a lot more problems than good. And it kind of harkens back to what I was talking about. It was like, once you start gathering all this data, if you don't understand what it means or how to interpret it or how, how it all is interwoven, it can cause people to get really uptight with things that aren't actually a big deal. One of the biggest ones that I currently see is the obsession with heart rate variation. So HRV, people are obsessed with like looking at their HRV. Now is the, so what HRV is, is the understanding that your while your heart, like it feels like your heart beats regularly. And if like you look like at an EKG, like it looks like, Oh, it's like super regular. In fact, it's not quite, um, regular and there's some variation in between beats. So that's like heart rate variation. It's like, there's a little bit, like maybe it's like a millisecond slower or whatever. And so the idea is that it can be somewhat of a measurement of like health and, um, fitness level. And, and so people take it at face value of like, oh, if I have a really high heart, a, um, heart rate, very, very, uh, ability, that means I'm like super healthy. And if I have a low one, that means I'm screwed. And it, it's taken from some like research that's been done on the subject, but is not, it is not conclusive in that we can like link it together that tightly. And, and so this is what happens when like research is emerging and people take the emerging research and, and broadly apply it in ways that it, that it was never intended to be applied. And I see this with a big thing with like wearable technology is people getting really uptight about their, their heart rate variability or their, um, VO2 max and like putting a lot of stock into it when they don't even, you, you don't even know how to read those numbers or what they mean because a lot of researchers don't even know what they mean yet. Like we haven't figured it out all the way. So I think if you're, if you're using uh, wearable technology, the other thing that it's 
notoriously inaccurate is the caloric burn. So if you're using your Apple watch to tell you like how many calories you burn, like stop, stop doing it. It's inaccurate. It's wholly inaccurate. And it, it causes a lot of problems because there are people like, oh, I'm burning X, Y, Z calories. And I'm like, no, you're not because you're eating less, way less than that. And you are still not losing weight. Like your watch does not know how many calories you're burning. It can make an estimate. It can use some equations. It can use a like, you know, rough, like bell curve to kind of estimate where you're at. It may give you a ballpark, but it for sure does not know how many calories you're burning. And it drives me crazy when people like put a whole lot of stock into that. So anyway, wearables, they're great because they're fun and they can give us a lot of data and we feel like we know more about ourselves. And Hey, I wear an Apple watch and you know, I like to look at my steps and and things like that, but it's just important to recognize that you can't look too far into it. It just is not that accurate. Okay. Two more powdered greens, disgusting and unnecessary. (laughs) I have never tasted a powdered green that actually tastes good. They're gross. They're yucky. They taste like grass ground up. Yuck. And, um, you know what? I'm just going to eat some vegetables. How about that? That's the way I'm going to get my greens. Um, I just think it's, they're gross and I'd rather eat my food. Thank you and amen. Okay. Last one. This was my husband submitted this one. Uh, and I guess it's fitness and nutrition rated because it has to do with like gym attire, but his was hot take on crop tops on guys. And listen, I have no opinion on what you wear to the gym. I couldn't care less what you wear to the gym. So if you like it and you want to wear it to the gym, knock yourself out. Now, if I was dressing my husband, I probably wouldn't put him in a crop top. Not because he wouldn't look fabulous in a crop top. Just probably wouldn't be like my opinion of like the most sexy attire. But I will tell you, I like there are some guys who can pull it off. And if they can pull it off, more power to them. And if they can't pull it off, well, still more power to them for liking it and wanting to wear it. I, my opinion of your attire should be nothing in what you choose to wear to the gym. So that's my hot take on crop tops on guys. Okay, this has been fun. <laughs> I felt like probably some people unfollowed me and probably some of you are mad and want to argue with me. And I think that's kind of the purpose of the episode. So if that's the case, well done, Amber. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Yay. Um, thanks for, for hanging with me and, and uh, sticking with me on my hot takes. If you want to share any of your hot takes with me, go ahead. Send me a DM on, on Instagram. I want to hear what some of your hot takes are, things that are controversial, things that people would disagree with. Maybe you disagree with one of my hot takes. That's completely fine. You can disagree all day long. That is the beauty of being in a free country, right? All right. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it, consider leaving a rating and review that really does help the podcast to be able to continue to grow. And uh, until next week, I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hey friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio Insider List. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes, and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? 
Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And, you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.